Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you are here this morning. Uh, it's a good day to share this time. We've got a number of visitors with us today. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today, uh, this morning. Um, uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance seats this, uh, this morning. Uh, those are the little uh, seats on the end of each row in the purple uh, uh, folders. We, if you wouldn't mind, please take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us uh, this morning. We would, we would appreciate that. And uh, I have a few announcements. Actually, I have a, a, an armful of announcements to give to you today. It's going to be a busy week this week. First of all, uh, we were scheduled for an upperclassman luncheon tomorrow. That has been canceled. We, uh, we actually postponed again. Last month we postponed it because of the weather. This month we postponed it because our, our, our leader has the shingles. And uh, so she won't be here. And so we will not be having our upperclassman luncheon tomorrow. Uh, however, we have plenty of opportunities for you to be involved in things this, this week. On uh, Thursday, we will be uh, observing Monday Thursday, uh, a part of our Lenten lunch series. Monday Thursday will be uh, held at Zion uh, UCC, and uh, it'll begin with a, about a half an hour service and then a lunch afterwards. And then on Good Friday, this begins Holy Week today. Today is Palm Sunday. And on Good Friday, um, Holy Name will be uh, hosting the Good Friday service at lunch. Again, it'll be a, a half an hour service and then lunch afterwards. And then uh, that evening, here at Community Baptist Church, we will be hosting a Tenebrae service. Tenebrae, it means darkness or shadows. And this is the time we remember the crucifixion of Christ. It's a time that we, uh, we remember um, what took place there on the cross. And it, we, it will begin in daylight, but by the time it ends, we will be in darkness. And, uh, and the whole idea is to, is to focus on what Christ did for us. But that will be on Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, on Sunday is Easter Sunday. That begins bright and early with an Easter sunrise service at the hospital prayer garden. That's at 6.30 in the morning. And then, of course, Easter, sun, Easter services here at Community Baptist Church at the regular, regular time. And if you throw in there Wednesday dinner and serving salva at Salvation Army on Saturday, you've got a full week. It's a pretty full week here. So thank you so much uh, uh, for involving yourself in as much as you can there. I think we have a video that we'd like to show about uh, a Red Cross. So um, forgot that. Last year, record... Thank you. Of course, we uh, we are great supporters of the Red Cross and uh, and are uh, glad to help them in any way that we can. We uh, were a Red Cross shelter here just a few weeks ago when there was a lot of flooding out in the Reed area, and uh, so we want to uh, to help them in any way that we can. I understand that on that Giving Day, anything that you give will be matched. Uh, so that's that's a that's a good thing. Today's service is a little bit different. We have a, um, a presentation, uh, a dramatic presentation. Uh, you, you see that things look a little different. It kind of looks like a Da Vinci painting, doesn't it? Um, but we have a dramatic presentation today uh, called Glimpses of Christ. 
And the setting is the Last Supper of Jesus with His disciples. And so we look forward to that. But the order of service is a, is a little bit different. I'm not going to be preaching today. I, and no, no amens. Okay. I don't want to hear it. No applause. <laughs> Um, uh, but but this will be our sermon today, and then we will uh, observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper afterwards. But let us begin our service with our offertory hymn. We're kind of move, moving that up, so let's begin with our offertory hymn, the doxology, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. Let us stand. Join me in our responsive call to, to worship and then our offertory prayer. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. In worship this day, we testify to God's love shown perfectly in Christ. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. O oh God, we are grateful for this day, a day on which we are reminded of the sacrifice that you have made on our behalf. We are grateful for the great love which you have demonstrated to us, a love so great that you would give your life for us. And we are grateful that you have called us to be your people. We confess to you today that sometimes we are poor followers. Sometimes we wander away from you, but you always welcome us home. Sometimes we turn our backs on you, but you never leave us. Sometimes we ignore your ways, but you keep prodding us, God, to pay attention and to live the life of sacrifice and service that you lived for us. We come to that part of the service when we are asked to sacrifice just a bit of our wealth for your kingdom. We recognize that it is nothing compared to the sacrifice that you have made for us, but we give it gladly and hopefully generously, because we love you. And we pray that you will receive it in love and allow us to use it faithfully for your service and for your kingdom. Amen.
from the Gospel of Mark. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and at Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went ahead and found the colt tied near a door, outside in the street. As they were untying it, some, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They said, They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed him to take it. 
Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This is the word of the Lord. I am Andrew, brother of Simon Peter. I'm not a gifted man. I'm much like every one of you. Some of my people call me Andrew the Bringer because I was always bringing people to see Jesus. I even brought my brother, Peter. Oh, what a transformation that is. I was with Jesus when he went to the Sea of Galilee and talked to people. While well, people got hungry, I went and got a young man, brought his lunch, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus blessed it, commanded us to go out and pass that out. What a miracle that was, because not only did we feed all them people, we still had enough bread left over to fill 12 baskets. It just was something I'd never seen. The Master selected me as one of his twelve apostles. I guess he sees something of value in me that others never seen. What greater gift could life afford a fisherman? I'm Nicholas. Some also call me Bartholomew. Like the others, I too am a fisherman. It was John the Baptist who led me to Jesus at Bethany across the Jordan. Philip said to me, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets speak. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. I remember what I said to Philip. How could anything good come from Nazareth? I didn't say it in scorn. But those of us who are familiar with Nazareth and her streets and alleys, why would God put his anointed in such a place? And Philip said to me, come and let's go see Jesus. As we approached Jesus, he said, behold, an Israelite with whom there is no guile. I said, how do you know me? He answered, before Philip brought you to me, I saw you under the fig tree. In my country, when mothers take their young out into the fields to work, they place them under the nearest fig tree. The leaves of the fig shield the, the young from the sun. So Jesus was telling me he had seen me since I was born. It was then I confessed and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Since then I've been serving him as a trusted disciple and an apostle. Like Zacchaeus, I'm a tax collector. Some call me Levi, others call me Matthew, the publican. 
My character changed through the fellowship of Jesus. He too changed my name. One day at the office when I was collecting taxes, Jesus came and visited and asked. He said, follow me. I got up and followed him. Later, I had a great big feast for Jesus, some of his disciples, and also my business friends. The Pharisees were very upset and complained that Jesus was eating with publicans and sinners. Jesus said, For those who are well need no physician, but for those who are sick. When I repented and followed Jesus, I studied the scripture very closely and concluded and believed that he is the fulfillment of all the scriptures, that he is the Messiah and God's anointed one. One day, I want to write down and prove that he is the Messiah. And I I believe that his sermons will live forever. Just as Jesus pronounced this on Mount Sinai, Mount Mount Galilee, excuse me. This is the new gospel. Good news for all.
and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped in a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. James, the brother of John. I started following Jesus when he called us while me and my brother were mending our nets by the Sea of Galilee with our father Zebedee almost three years ago. We were very humbled and honored to have Jesus call us to be one of his disciples and were honored whenever he chose us to be among his twelve apostles. Our mother, Salome, urged us to press our claims upon Jesus. One day while we were following him, we asked him, Can we sit at your left and your right hand when you enter your kingdom? He replied, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the cup with which I drink, and to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? We said, Lord, we are able. And then he told us that we would surely drink his cup and be baptized with his baptism. But he could not tell us we were able to enter his kingdom at his right and left side. 
The others were angry at our request. Jesus told us that if we were to be first, we must be the servant of all. And he demonstrated this by washing our feet just before supper. He is truly the first because he is truly the servant of all. My name is James. Since many men bear a familiar name as James, I'm called James the Little. It's okay for you to chuckle. (laughs) Or James the Lesser, being lesser in size than other men of the same name. Since my father's name was Aphias, I am sometimes known as James the Son of Aphias. I will never forget that very first day when I saw my master. I was passing down a road near the place where John was doing some baptizing. I was just curious to see what was going on at that place. So I turned aside and looked a little bit closer. Then I saw Jesus asking John to baptize him. John refused, but Jesus insisted. After John had baptized the Lord, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove and we heard a voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son of whom I am very well pleased at the end of the first year of his public ministry he chose me me little James as one of his twelve apostles and since that moment I have walked with him, talked with him, stayed with him, prayed with him, done everything I could with him. And I'm still trying to learn as much about him and his Heavenly Father as I most possibly can. I'm Thomas. Didymus, the twin. I don't look at life through despondency and gloom. I just prefer a little proof before I believe. I have to see something before I can commit. I'm not a man of doubt. I can be daring. Well, when Mary and Martha sent word that Lazarus had died, Jesus said, let's go to him. There's been a whole lot of opposition to Jesus in Bethany. Everyone else was kind of scared to go. I said, why don't we go with him? Die with him if we must? I mean, they don't think of the daring. They think of the doubt. They think of the questions and don't even look at the affirmation. They see the fear, not the faith. I saw him rebuke the winds, calming the storms in the Sea of Galilee. I've seen him 
your own manner of illness and disease. <laughs> Seen him open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. Seen him comfort the, the poor and downtrodden. Telling them about the Father's love. They're going to kill me. He's <laughs> enemies. Why do they have to hate him so? When evening had came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. Truly I say unto you, the servant is no greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one that sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And while they were reclining at the table eating, he said unto them, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said unto him, Is it I? Is it I? I am Philip. I come from Bethanada in Galilee. When I was with John the Baptist in Bethany, Jesus came to us and asked us to be his disciples, so we followed him. At first I did not understand his words, but as I began to develop an understanding, I realized that the words of Jesus were the words of God. For what we find in God, we find in Jesus. And what we do not want to find in God, neither do we find in the Son. I'm Thaddeus, one of the disciples whom Jesus called to be an apostle. Jesus chose 12 of us to become the cornerstones of the new kingdom. Just as the 12 tribes were the cornerstone of the old Jewish kingdom. After a night in prayer, he called us to him and gave us the authority over unclean spirits and the power to heal every kind of infirmity. Then he commissioned us to go forth and preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is enough, he said, that the disciples be like his teacher and servant as his master. I was in Jerusalem when he gave the great invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All the others came from Galilee. My home was in the village of Kerioth in Judea. Here I'm known as Judas of Kerioth or Judas Iscariot, the only Judean in the group. The others must have had faith in me because they elected me their treasurer. And Jesus surely believed in me because he chose me as one of the twelve. Some say that I have appropriated these funds for my own use and that Jesus' words about the love of money and greed were personally directed at me. Well, of course I complained when Mary washed his feet with the expensive ointment and perfume. I still think it's a waste of time. <laughs> and if I conspired with the chief priests, and if I have 30 pieces of silver on my person... That's my own affair. 
Thank you.
Leonardo, versatile genius of the Renaissance, was born in Vinci, Italy in 1452. Though he excelled in many fields, he is remembered today because of two wonderful paintings, the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. In 1494, when Leonardo was 42, he was commissioned by the Duke of Milan to decorate the dining room for the convent church, which was the favorite shrine of the Duke's young bride. As an appropriate theme for the dining room, the painter chose the Last Supper. His painting was not intended to be a faithful reproduction of the original scene as it had taken place in the first century Palestine, but as it might have taken place in 15th century Italy. He chose what he considered the most dramatic moment of the Last Supper when he heard Jesus speak. One of you will betray me. Jesus had called Peter and Andrew to follow him. Then going on from there, Jesus saw my brother James and I, John. We were with our father Zebedee, tending our boat and mending our nets. And never had I heard a voice like that of Jesus. He called us, and we immediately left our boat and our father, and we followed him. Since that day when I heard his voice, I have tried to understand Jesus by loving him. Sometimes I do believe that he is as much of God as could possibly fill a human heart and a human body. But most of the time, I just think about him as a person whom I love. And he has loved me. He's called me the beloved disciple. He included me within his close, intimate inner circle. Jesus entrusted Peter and I with the arrangements of the celebration of this Passover meal tonight. I stared in his trials and in his hours of victory. I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when we beheld his glory. It was to me that he told of his story and talk with Nicodemus when he spoke those wonderful words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Someday, I want to write down his statements and write down the things that he did so others may know of his life and that they too may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing on him, they may have eternal life. I am Simon, the Zealot, or Simon Zelotos. Before Jesus called upon me, I belonged to a group of headstrong, bloodthirsty revolutionaries known as the Zealots. Our one true mission in life was to crush 
Rome until Rome has fallen. We believed in crushing our enemies under their heels, all to bring back the glory days of Israel under David and Solomon. But Jesus showed me there's a different kingdom, a kingdom of the heart, of the human heart, where God reigns supreme. My brother Andrew and I were fishing on the Sea of Galilee one afternoon, casting out our nets into the sea when Jesus walked by and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, we immediately dropped our nets and followed him. Then one morning he said, Simon, let your net down into the deep for a big catch. And I said, Master, we have toiled and fished all night and have not caught a thing. But at your word, I will let down the net. Well, we caught so many fish, we had to summon area boats to help us contain the catch. When we reached the shore, I fell at Jesus' feet and cried out, Depart from me, dear Lord, for I am a sinner. And it was at that time he said, From that day forward, you will be fishers of men. And he even changed my name from Simon to Peter, which means the rock. And when I confessed him as Christ, the Son of the living God, near Caesarea Philippi, he said, On this rock I will build my church. But a moment later, when I protested his travels to Jerusalem to suffer death on the cross at the hands of evil men, he rebuked me, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. So you see, I'm a mixture of good and evil, of godliness and devilishness. And yet, he still believes in me. Truly I say unto you, one of you will betray me. One of us betray him? It's unthinkable. Who could it be? How could anyone get away with this in his heart? Could it be Andrew the Bringer? Is it I? Is it I? Now he's instituting a new ceremony to take the place of the Passover. He says that one of his trusted friends will betray him. How can it be? How can there be a traitor among his closest friends? Is it I? Is it I? I can't believe this. This is horrible news. Terrible news. Who could it be? Is it I, the dreaded tax collector? Who could it be? Is it I? Is it I? No. Jesus, who taught us the way of love, is to be betrayed by one of those whom he loves. Who can it be? Why should one of us do such a thing? I keep thinking deep down inside. Is it I? Is it I? What? One of us could betray him? Surely it's madness to think that that could be. Surely the betrayer is out of his mind. But I keep asking myself, is it I? Is it I? Now he says that even among us, the chosen will, that there's a traitor amongst us. 
talking about me? Could it be me? Did I? What? He who has given us all understanding has told us that there's a traitor among us? How could it be? Does the traitor not know that conspiring against Jesus is conspiring against God? That treachery against Jesus is treachery against God? How could he be so blind? Is it Philip? Is it I? Is it I? I can't believe it. He who came to share men's burden, his burden thrust upon him. The knowledge of, that one of us will portray him. Which one of us can it be? Who is the traitor? The man we least suspect? Or will it be one of us portraying before the night is over? And Philip? Peter? Judas? John? Or even myself? Is it I? Is it I? Hey, I believe in Jesus. But someone has to make him assert himself as God's Messiah. He refuses to make a move. Well, I've made one. He hints that he knows what I've done, but my soul isn't as black as you think it is, nor is your soul as white. And what would you do if you were in, in my situation? Do, you'd do something dramatic and startling to usher in his kingdom. And if you were in his place, what would you do? Should I ignore his remark? Or, or like the other, should I piously and self-righteously ask myself, is it I? Is it I? What did Jesus just say? He just said that one of us was a betrayer. I cannot believe it. Yet it must be so because he said it. Who could it be? Surely not James, my brother, or Peter, or Andrew. Could it be John, the beloved disciple? Is it I? Is it I? The Master says there is a spiritual Roman among us. One who would attempt by force what can only be conquered by love. Who could it be? Does he suspect me because I am the only former zealot among us? Is it I? Is it I? Is he referring to me when he says, One of you will betray me? If I knew who the scoundrel was, I would pierce his heart with this knife I hold in my hand. And yet, it may be my own heart that I would pierce. Lord, let it not be so. And yet I keep wondering and asking, Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Please come and pray with me.
say, wow, or amen. Uh, what a wonderful expression of Jesus' last hours before his crucifixion. What a wonderful expression, what a wonderful sermon we have beheld today. And it leaves us with a lot to think about, doesn't it? It leaves us with a lot to think about regarding our own lives. As we saw, even the disciples of Christ had darkness within their hearts, so much so that they would wonder themselves if they could be the betrayer of the Lord. And I think this is so appropriate during this time of the year, this time that we call Lent, a time for us to to be introspective, to to, uh, spend some time in introspection and looking at our own lives, a time for recognizing our own sinfulness and a time for seeking God's forgiveness. That's what this season of Lent is all about. It's also a time for us to commit to live a better life, a better kind of life with ourselves. Matthew's version of the Last Supper says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of a new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I think it's interesting that he said that this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I do not pretend to understand completely what that means. Uh, There are all kinds of theological theories about atonement and sacrifice, and I must be honest that most of them leave, leave me unsatisfied. But... According to those words, there is some connection between the crucifixion of Christ and my forgiveness. In other words, he did this for me. He did this for you. And so, if we had been sitting at this table with Jesus during this Last Supper... We would be compelled to say, it is I. It is I. I had something to do with Christ being on that cross. You see, he did it for me. He did it for you. And that's why we observe the Lord's Supper today. That's why we do this from time to time in church. We do this so that we can remember just how much God loves us. Paul reminds us that God shows God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I want us to let that sink sink in, down into the very depths of our souls as we remember just what Jesus did for us. As we observe the Lord's Supper, remember that it's I. That's the reason behind what Christ did for us.
It's because of us. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper now. We would like to invite you to come and to share at the table of the Lord. We will have some of our deacons standing here in front, and if our deacons can come on and, and uh, take their place. We would ask that we begin at the back of the church and come down the middle aisle. Um, there will be stations on each side where you can come and take a piece of bread and then move to the side and dip the bread into the cup and then return to your seats along the, along the side aisle. Everyone is welcome at the table of the Lord. You know, every one of those disciples that we saw were sinners. They were not perfect people. I know we hold them up as some kind of uh, uh, respectful people, but they were just like you and me, and, and they were all sinners, just like us. Jesus was accused of eating with the sinners and the tax collectors and, and fellowshipping with them. And some of us may think, well, I'm not worthy of taking the Lord's Supper. I'm not worthy of this. You know what? We're all unworthy, but Jesus deems us worthy because he wants to fellowship with us. So every single one of you are invited to come to the Lord's table. Christ never turned anyone away. We will take the Lord's Supper and then return to our seats along the side aisles. Jesus, when he, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body which is given for you. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of a new covenant. My blood given for you. And then he said, take and eat this bread. Take and drink this cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. What a joy it is to celebrate the Lord's Supper with God's people, God's children. The very people that he died for. What a joy it is to share in remembrance. Today begins Holy Week. I can't say really that Holy Week is a, um, a happy time because it began with the triumphal entry with the palm wavings and it's kind of like a parade and a celebration and it was happy during that day. But as the days progressed, things began to turn. And by Thursday night, betrayal was taking place. And by Friday, death was taking place. And so, it was not a very happy time. But then, Easter resurrection. And that's the happiest time of all. This time, during this week, I want to challenge you to do something. 
I want to challenge you to remember what we've done here today. Remember the the visible sermon that we have seen today. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember that it is I and it is you that put him in that place. And if we do that remembering all this week, guess what? Next Sunday is going to be even more special because we will know that that death was not the end of the story. Resurrection comes. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. Let's sing together. You know, one of the things that, that, that draws us together in the Lord's Supper is the fellowship with one another. It is something that ties us together. This communion ties us together. And so there's no better communion song than Blessed Be the Tie. Let's stand. I'll go with you. Amen.